Thank you, Leslie and Paul, and it's good to see each one of you here today. I trust you're having a great day. Let's take our Bibles this afternoon and turn to the book of John once again. John chapter 11. Last week we looked at a continuation, or a continued uh, journeying through the I am's of John. He said, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the gate, I am the good shepherd. Last week we looked at I am the resurrection and the life. And I was uh, in a pattern to go to the next one, John chapter 14. I am the way, the, I'm the, I am the, okay, John 14, 6. <laughs> How come I can't remember? That's why we're not going there right now, okay? So, so that's for next week. <laughs> God has a way of working that through. But anyway, back to the, to the, to the thing at hand. I, I was just thinking about Jesus is stating that. I am. And it requires a reaction. It requires a response. How do you respond to what Jesus is saying? How did they, the people of which he was in, in uh, the room with, if you will, how did they respond? I, I'd like to take today and, and look at the response, the reaction to this one, this Jesus, that said, I am, in numerous ways. And claiming, literally, by saying that he is God. He is God. John chapter 11. Now, he's just done the most miraculous thing. He has raised Lazarus, who is dead for four days, to life. And in verse 45 of John chapter 11, there's reactions. Let's begin reading now. John chapter 11, verse 45. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them, what things Jesus had done. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a, a council and said, What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. And one of them, named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, You know nothing at all, neither, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and that the whole nation perish not. And this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation. And not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. Then from that day forth they took counsel together for to put him to death. Jesus therefore walked no more openly among the Jews, but went thence unto a country near to the wilderness into a city called Ephraim. And there continued with his disciples." The Jews' Passover was nigh at hand, and many went out of the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then sought they for Jesus, and spake among themselves, as they stood in the temple, What think you that it will not come to the feast? Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given commandment that if any man knew where he were, he should show it, that they might take him. John chapter 12, verse 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, Why was not this ointment sold for three hundred pence and given to the poor? 
This he said not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put therein. Then said Jesus, Let her alone. Against the day of my burying hath she kept this. For the poor always you have with you, but me you have not always. Much of the people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that, by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. God had a special blessing reading of his word, and let's just pause for prayer before we begin our study. Father God, thank you for the day. Thank you for your love. Thank you for Jesus Christ. And all of the things that he accomplished as he walked this earth, the giver of life, literally gave his life for those that had no life. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do even this day. We would ask that you would take the word and the Holy Spirit would exclusively be our teacher. That we would be open to what you have for us. Conform us to the image of your Son, which has been your purpose from before even the foundation of the world. And Father, as we look to you for guidance and direction... Accepting your love and grace, we are thankful. And again, looking to you as our God and Jesus, our Savior, asking the Spirit to lead us now in Christ's precious and holy name. Amen. Well, it's interesting uh, what the Jews had said. I think let's go back to John chapter 6, verse 30. Jesus was... uh, unfolding all of who he was and why he came, they asked a question of him. In John chapter 6, verse 30, it said, They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? They're literally saying, Show us a miracle. Show us something that we can grab a hold of. Show us something that really would grab us and we would know that you are who you say you are. That sounds very good, doesn't it? Sounds awesome. I want to see what you can do. And then as we continued on through John, we looked at a number of things. The pinnacle, if you will, things are going rather quickly through John. You go from John chapter 1 through the end of chapter 11. And it's basically the three-year context of his ministry. And from chapter 12 to the end of it, it's about one week. (laughs) And And in chapter 12, it's like the beginning of this, wow, it just expands in the sense of everything going on in that last week of our Savior who laid down his life for all of those that needed it. And he comes to this crescendo, this climax, and Jesus is that divider, isn't he? There's B.C., before Christ, and there's A.D., after Christ. And literally, he's the divider of men. In our nation today, Jesus Christ is the divider of men and women. You either believe or you don't. There's no in-between. You're either for him or you're not. He's not going to leave anything to chance. That's who this Jesus is. In fact, and we'll go back to it in a moment, but he climaxes now to the pinnacle of, of miracles of miracles. What would that be? To raise someone from the dead. Now, he'd already done it on two different occasions, someone that had passed away very briefly. And it was even said, well, they were just, you know, just sort of out of it for a while. They were in a fog. 
And Jesus in chapter 11, which we didn't read but last week we studied, was the fact someone came to him, a messenger from the friends, the family that he knew very well, Martha and Mary and Lazarus. That's all we know of them and that family. But they had sent a messenger to Jesus. And he was two days' journey away. He said, your friend, Lazarus, the one you love, is sick. And Jesus said, what? I'm going to wait a couple of days. <laughs> Have you ever felt like Jesus has waited a couple of days when you really, really needed him really, really bad? <laughs> of course you have. But Jesus said it would be for God's glory. It would be for an opportunity to be made God even larger than ever so they could see Jesus clearer and they would understand who he was. And he waited two days and then he took off. And he gets there, and you know, Lazarus had been dead for four days. This looks like a challenge. <laughs> looks like a mighty big challenge, actually, doesn't it? What will Jesus do now? Oh, Lazarus was one that I really did love. In fact, that was the expectation as Martha ran out to meet him. Oh, Jesus, if only you had been here just four days ago, he would be alive. Because I know you could do it. <laughs> you see, that's, that's kind of like hitting our ceiling. Our faith is about that high then, right? And, Jesus, and remember what Jesus said? Let's go back to chapter 11. There's, this is really the question he's asking us today as well. Let's see if I can find it now. Let's go to verse... Uh, let's just open this as she's coming. Verse 20 of chapter 11 of John. John eleven twenty. Now, keep in mind, the other thing that's going on before, just hold your place, be right there with you. So, Bethany is a little town, and it's about two miles south of Jerusalem. It's on the way to Jericho. It, there's a highway. Now, it wouldn't be like a highway we have, but a very well-traveled road from Jerusalem to Jericho, and Bethany was right there. It was very accessible. One of the things we also know about Jewish funerals in particular is there's a lot of people that will come and help mourn. They're there for them. They're, they're reaching out. They're, they're loving on them, which is awesome. That's what we need, isn't it? That's what we need when we have loss. And they're surrounding these, this, these two sisters, and there's a lot of people there. And Martha comes out in verse 20, and she says this. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. Now, that sounds like she has a really heightened level, right? I mean, it's just like, that's awesome. But you'll find a little bit later, it was just not quite that high. Verse 21, 23, Jesus said, thy brother shall rise again. And Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said, I am the resurrection, the life, and he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Now watch. He asked a question. Believest thou this? Do you believe me? That's what Jesus is saying. Do you believe me? He's saying the same thing to us today. Do you believe me? <laughs> Do you believe me? Do you believe me? And she said, 20, verse 27, Yes, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ. Now, for a Jew to say that, the Christ, that would be the Christos, the anointed one, the Messiah, the coming one that was prophesied in the Old Testament, the Son of God which should come into the world. 
And when she had said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly. And as soon as she heard it, verse 29, she rose quickly, came on to him. Now, Jesus was not yet come into town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. When Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. And Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her. And he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. Verse 35, Jesus wept. It is one of the most awesome verses in all the scriptures. It's the shortest one. And yet to know that this God, man, Emmanuel, God with us, the Christ, the Christos, the anointed one, the one that came to save us from our sins, literally, and it's a quiet sense of weeping. It's a quiet internal, and there's tears running down his face because he cares so much for that family and those people that have been affected by death. That's who Jesus is. Do you believe? Do you believe? And you know what happens literally four days after he says to Lazarus, come forth. Remember, I said something last week that meant more to me this week. When you have a tomb and there's a body inside, Jesus said to someone, roll the rock away. He didn't do that. Could it be? Of course. If If you can raise somebody from the dead, you can roll the rock away. But you know what he said? He said to somebody else, roll the rock away. You see, you may be a rock roller. God may be calling you to roll a rock away. To get out of the way of what God is going to be doing. Are you rolling rocks for God? He wants you to. Because when you roll the rock away, then he can say, Lazarus, come forth. And he did. Now, that must have blown that place away. I can't imagine. I would have loved to have been there because I would have liked to react to that. You talk about an outstanding, remarkable, over-the-top, awesome miracle that could never be duplicated is the giver of life literally brought life to a dead person. And the most ridiculous thing is there's someone now that has reacted to that, a group of people, that want to take the life from someone that gave it back. It's the same today. This story isn't just from yesteryear. This is right on target where we are today in our nation, our world today. Literally, life has become with no sense of value. It's about money. It's about power. It's about all of the things that literally Jesus came to break and to tear down and to literally equalize. And Jesus is the only one that could do that. What a powerful statement. The reactions. As watching now life come to someone that was dead for four days and he comes out... What did the people say? What did they do? Let's pick up now where our text, where we read it earlier today. Chapter, chapter 11 and verse 45, our first verse said, Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. Many, now, not many of the Jews in the sense of a nation, but many of those that were there in attendance. <laughs> what would you do? You're <laughs> I would believe that would do it. And especially you're a friend of Lazarus and you've just, you've just been there for his passing for his funeral. Get this. He just walked out. (laughs) 
I'm going to go with the believing part. <laughs> but you know what? Believing is not just believing. It says that the angels believe. I'm sorry, the, the demons believe. They know the truth. They know. They know. But do you believe in the sense of literally allowing yourself to be all of Jesus's? See, that's, that's what we're going to talk about in chapter 12. Mary and Martha, the sisters of this man that was dead and now is alive, their response, their reaction to this Jesus is remarkable. Now, Martha's is easy for us to miss. In fact, it's, we'd almost make lighter. Because what do we know about Martha? She's the server, right? Remember on a previous occasion, we met the family and Jesus is there for a meal. Now, they're not at... This, this is it. Now, make, the, make sure that you understand this. The first time they were together, that we are told in the scriptures, Mary and Martha and Lazarus were together and they had invited Jesus in. And what do you think Martha's doing? She's serving. She's got a steak going on the grill and she's got stuff cooking and she's got broccoli on and I... You would, wouldn't you? It's going to be rounded out. And then, where's Mary? Where's Mary? Where's Mary at? Where's Mary? She's listening to Jesus in the living room, and Martha is slaving away in the kitchen. And I can tell, see, she's simmering too, right? She not only has the food simmering; she's she's cooked. And she comes out and says, "Jesus, would you tell this Mary to help me? Because I'm serving all alone." And Jesus said. Martha, Martha. <laughs> like we said last week, when your parents or someone says your name twice, listen closely, right? <laughs> he was saying, you know, it's more important for you to hear what I have to say. It's more important that you're all about what the Word of God is. But I want you to see something. There's a gift here. Now, Martha came out. Did you, she was the first one that ran out to Jesus. Said, oh, if you'd only been here. Did she, did, she believe, did she believe in Jesus? Look at her response. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you are the Christ. Everything that she said was exactly what Jesus wanted to hear. But look at her life. This is the difference between saying believing and living believing. Does that make sense? Who are you really trusting? You can really tell who you're trusting by how you live. Because how you live is how you really believe because that's what you're trusting. Watch. It's, it's very brief, but we'll find it. Now, what you don't maybe know is in chapter 12 of, Luke, of, of John that we just read. Let's read just a few verses again. And I want you to see something. Chapter 12, verse 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover. Now, again, I said this is literally from chapter 12 of John out to the end of the chapter. It's only about the last week of Jesus' life. This would be the last Sabbath. The last true Old Covenant <coughs> Sabbath that Jesus was living now. Six days before the Passover came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. Now, if you go back to Mark chapter 14, you'll find that they're actually in the home of Simon, the ex-leper. He had to be, because you couldn't be in the home of a leper. So now think of this. Here's Martha, who had watched her brother being raised from the dead from Jesus, this one she loved, the one that she calls her Savior. She's in someone else's home, and what is she doing? She's serving. That is a real... That one word and what it does is so magnificent when we're serving Christ, when we're doing what he's asking us to do. There's a sense of a savor. And Paul, did you read in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2? We'll probably finish with that. To be given our life, a living sacrifice. That is exactly what Martha is doing. Did you see she didn't come burning out there and saying, Mary's not helping. No. 
You see what's happening? She's changed. Their Savior, she's wanting to serve Him. It's all about, now I'm doing what I can do for Him. And you know what? She was wired to serve. There's some of you that are wired to serve. Right? Just use it for Jesus. Serve Him. She is totally on fire with giving everything that she is for her Savior. Let's go back to verse 45 of John chapter 11 again. It says, many of the Jews that were there, they believed what Jesus did. Or they saw the things that Jesus did and they believed on him. They saw the glory of God. Hold your place here, we'll be back. But John chapter 1 verse 12, John chapter 1 verse 12. The beginning of this book is very powerful. In verse 12 it says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Oh, my goodness. Isn't, I'm glad that verse is in the Bible. I want more of that. You believe and you become a son of God, literally. Now, again, I want to come back. I, I want to make sure you get this today. And, and maybe you've got it. But the point of the matter, just to say you believe doesn't necessarily mean you believe. Nicodemus, John chapter 3. What do we know about Nicodemus? Was he a... Let's find out. Let's go back to John 3. It looks like we're struggling a little bit. That's okay. John chapter 3. That's what we love about the Word of God. It's going to be around forever because God said it would. John chapter 3, verses 1 said, there was a man of the Pharisees. Oh, what do you know about the Pharisees? Oh. <laughs> hmm, right? They didn't like Jesus much. We'll find that in a little bit. But here's a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler or a leader of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Is that enough belief? No, it's not enough. It's not enough to believe that Jesus was a teacher. I mean, you can pick up a history book and find that out. That's, yeah, that's pretty straightforward. But was Nicodemus' life changed at this point because what he believed about Jesus? No. Now, when you really believe, when you trust Jesus, your life becomes different because you follow after him as a savior. You trust him with everything that you are. See the difference? And you know, Nicodemus, in fact, as Jesus, just later in that week, John chapter 12, as it goes on, guess what? He has been crucified. Guess who took his body? Nicodemus. Who was he trusting then? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Don't you love it? He changed. Truth changed him. He was seeking. For, and, by, and by the way, by the way, this is really important. There's people today that don't even want to know the truth. I'm going to say it one more time. There's people today that don't want to know the truth. Nicodemus sought Jesus. I still say it was at night because he didn't want anybody to see him. <laughs> Excuse me. Sure, he would, oh, he would have been. In fact, that's one of the reasons that the Pharisees, even there was a group, we'll look at this, it's, it's another passage, we'll get down the line and see it. But he came to Jesus, but, but I, want, I want to be very forthright in, 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 in what I want to say. Giving him the benefit of the doubt, he was a Pharisee that went to Jesus to find out the truth. And if you are a truth seeker, God will reveal truth to you. Amen. We as a nation need to be seeking after truth, not making it up, seeking it. 
That's what our nation needs today is truth. Truth, truth, truth. The truth will set you free, John 8, verse 32. Look with me to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, boy, I tell you what, John, if you read through the book of John this week, how about that? That's your assignment this week. Just pick up your Bible and just break it down into chapters, divide it out over the week, and read it. And if you read it twice, even better. John chapter 6, verse 66. I want you to see something here that just to believe without really believing isn't quite enough. Verse 66 of John 6, it says, From that time, many of his disciples... What's a disciple? Someone that's following Jesus. Okay. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Oh. And then Jesus said unto the 12, verse 67, Will you... <laughs> Think of that now. There's this group, but all of a sudden... Yes, Jesus is too tough for us. I mean, he's, he's not going where... What, now, what if, if you were a Jew... Now, be, let's be really super honest. Right? What do they want of Jesus if you're just a Jew? You just open the door and you read the newspaper and says... Jesus is healing people. He's feeding people. Could this be the Messiah? Could it be? Now, just for a moment, you believe that this is the Messiah. What do you see the Messiah doing for you? He's going to be the new king. The Romans are extinct. You now, the nation of Israel, become first and foremost, number one, living the kingdom forever. Right? Now, if Jesus would have done... Excuse me, if Jesus would have done that, oh, we're followers of him. But he didn't do that the first coming. He came and said this, I want to work on the heart. I want to work on the inside. I want to fix where your real problem is. See, that's what's wrong with America today. We're pointing at everything and the symptoms that are outside. Guns aren't a problem. It's a heart problem. It always has been. Cain didn't need anything to kill Abel other than a really wicked heart. It's the same. Isn't it amazing how, how, how relevant the scripture is? From front to back, regardless of when it was written, it fits exactly in the year 2020. It's right on the money. I'm a little too loud, aren't I? I'll tone it down a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Now I lost my place. Where was I at? What was I talking about? Oh, yeah, the dis- yeah, exactly. Yeah. 666. What did they do? They stopped following Jesus. That would be, that just hit us like a ton of bricks right now. I don't know what that meant to you, but it's probably just coincidental. But I'm telling you what, the mark of man, the mark of the beast, 666, they did not believe in Jesus. Is that not what that is? Apostasy. Apostasy. Yeah, and they know the right thing, by the way. They They know truth and they walk away from it. But now he turns to his disciples. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't, I know where I was at now. Okay, so I do this often. You guys know that, right? So as, he, as, as all of these expectations from the Jews, seeing in this man called Jesus, this one that they want to call the Son of God, they want to call him the Messiah, they want to call him Emmanuel because they want things from him. Have you ever, had, have you ever treated Jesus that way yourself? It happens, doesn't it? It happens. Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? I want something for you, Jesus. But here's the deal. When they saw that Jesus was really after the things that were really their problem, the internal, the heart issues, the things that kept them from God, they said, I don't think we need any more of him because he's not what we're after. We want something in our pocket. We want, we want to be powerful. We want to be the number one nation in the world. And we no longer want to be looked down upon or ruled by anyone else. 
That's what we want. And they stop following. And then Jesus turns around to his disciples. You guys going to go too? <laughs> and look at what, what's, look what's said. This is really cool. Uh, let's keep going. Verse 60, 68. Then Simon Peter, oh, Simon's our man, answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? <laughs> Thou hast the words of eternal life. Isn't that fantastic? Now, now see, Peter, what is he doing? Peter believes... His actions are showing his, his response because if they hadn't, you know what they'd do? Oh, you, mean, you mean we're not going to break away from the Romans? You mean we're not going to be all of the things we want? I'm out of here. Now, there was one. We'll find his reaction in a little bit. There was one that literally wasn't too happy with Jesus. He lived a life of hypocrisy yet. He still hung around because he was getting a little bit of money on the side. Right? And we're going to talk about value in a minute. But the disciples said, no, we're with you. In fact, watch what he says. Oh, where was that? Yeah, 69. Now look at it. And we believe and are sure that thou art that, you see it again? That Christ, that Christos, the anointed one, the Messiah, the son of the living God. See, that's belief. When you literally put Jesus on that level, if you want to find out someone that's hostile to Jesus Christ, go ahead and make Jesus elevated. Make him everything that he declares himself to be deity, to be the son of God, Emmanuel, God with us. You will find the hostility of Satan come against you. Amen. That's what happens. That's what happens. So their reaction, in this case, is the fact that many of them left. And yet the disciples hung around. Let's go to chapter 8, verse 30. Same book, John chapter 8, verse 30. And it simply says, as he spoke these words, many believed on him. Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. In fact, the proof of the fact that you believe me is the fact that you will continue in my word. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There are so many people today that literally, I'm saying it again, don't want to know the truth. It is. It's absolutely true. And you know what? The only way you'll be free, it's not my words. Thank, no, you don't need to listen to me. That's why we want to use the Bible here. The truth will make you free. Amen. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That was what I couldn't remember just a bit ago, wasn't it? John 14, 6. Jesus said exclusively, I am the way, the life, and the truth. No one comes unto the Father except by me. I'm glad it is exclusive. I'm glad I don't have to run around for the rest of my life wondering if there's a better way. No, I want the only way. I'm glad he's that way. Oh, I'm getting carried away, aren't I? I've got to slow it down just a bit, just a bit. Well, we find then, let's go back to John chapter 11. We find that literally many of those Jews, many of those that were with Mary and Martha in, in Lazarus's resurrection, that they believed what Jesus did and they believed on him, verse 45. Now watch verse 46. Here we find another group, another reaction, if you will. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees. Now, wait, stop. Why? Now, this is a group. They're surrounding this. Jesus, our God, has brought all these people together for this event. And he's raised Lazarus from the dead. And some of them believe. Now, others go, huh. Yeah, he sure not be raised Lazarus from the dead. Well, I think we're going to go tell the Pharisees. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Because apparently they cared more about following a false religion 
than they cared about themselves. You can cut it any way. You think about what, I, what, what was just said. Literally, why would you go there unless you were, con- you were convinced that if I don't get the lesson to them, what happened here, I could be kicked out. How many, how many cults, how many false religions use leverage of excommunication? That's exactly what was going on here. They had said, if anyone, remember the blind man we read in, in chapter 9 of John? They said, if anyone adheres to him, we're going to boot you out of here. Powerful. Let's, let's keep going. So they tell the Pharisees. Remember, well, that's what's really cool about Nicodemus. Did you see what Pharisee was? Nicodemus was one who was seeking truth. He was seeking truth. You see, God can take you from any journey to get where you need to be. It doesn't matter where you grew up. It doesn't matter on which side of the tracks. Truth is truth. Verse 46, now some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Oh, yes, they did. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council. Well, of course you're going to get together. What shall we do? Now watch this really, really carefully. Remember we read when we started out today in John chapter 6, verse 30? What did the religious leaders, what did the scribes, what did the Pharisees want? They wanted miracles so that we could believe you. Remember what uh, the rich man, remember Lazarus and the rich man in a, in a story there that Jesus told about? Remember Lazarus, I'm sorry, the rich man was in Hades. And he said, if I could come back, if, if my brothers could see someone come back from the dead, they would believe and they wouldn't end up here. And God said, no, that's not the way it works. They're wanting a miracle. Now watch what they say. This, this, is, really, this, this, is, re, this is remarkable. He go back, they tell the Pharisees, well, they tell them, well, of course, Lazarus is dead, now he's living. He was dead for four days, and he walked out of that tomb. It says, what do we? What are we going to do? For this man doeth many miracles. That's the enemy said, this man doeth many miracles. Anyone that does not believe that Jesus did miracles doesn't even agree as much with as his enemies. The enemies did not deny the fact that he did miracles. He did them. They believed it. And now watch. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. And the Romans shall come and take away both our... Whoa, did you catch that? Is that not what's going on all over the world today? They're going to take, we're going to lose our place. We're going to lose our power. We're going to lose all of our prestige, all of the things that makes us on top. And we have people underneath of us. This Jesus is asking us to become something that we don't want to be. Sounds pretty 2020-ish. Keep going. One of them named Caiaphas. Caiaphas was actually a Sadducee. He was the son-in-law to Annas, which was the previous high priest. Now, he was being the high priest that same year, said unto them, You know nothing at all, nor consider it that is expedient for us, it's best for us, that this man should die for the people, and the whole nation would perish not. Now, he didn't even realize how significant what he said was said. That Jesus would become the Passover lamb for all mankind. For the, he would take away the sin of the world. He didn't even know what he was saying. And you know, this is the last day. Just coming up now, just in a few weeks, literally, Caiaphas really would not have a legitimate job. The high priest's job under the Old Covenant was literally to go in one day out of the year behind the Holy of Holies. He would prepare himself and make a sacrifice for the entire nation because no one ever got in behind the Holy of Holies. Something happened, though, just a few weeks later. In fact, on John chapter 12, verse 1, as we began the last week in that history, that unfolding of that last week... On that Passover, on that Sabbath, would be no more veil, no more separation between the Holy of Holies 
because God broke it, tore it, ripped it up because there was no need for it anymore because Jesus Christ paid the price fully and ultimately and forever. And literally, they didn't need a high priest anymore. Do you know, according to Josephus, from when Herod the Great took power in probably around, right around the change between B.C. and A.D., right in there, he was either 3 A.D., right around there, from that point in time, for the next hundred years, do you, now, I forgot to tell you, a high priest usually died in office. They went all the way, their, their tenure went all the way through. Now, in this case, Anna said, I'm old enough, I've done it enough, now my Caiaphas, my son-in-law, will be that new high priest. That's how they got there. In that hundred years, thinking of that, 28 new high priests. 28, which means it meant nothing. In fact, if you go to Acts chapter 23, remember when Paul was put on trial and the high priest, his name was Ananias, and he told somebody to slap Paul. And Paul called him, you whitewashed sepulcher. And they said, do you not know this is the high priest? And he said, no, I didn't know. That's how much, how much prestige the high priest had at that point in time, which was not very long after. Think of that. But at this point right now, Caiaphas had a lot of power. He had a lot of influence, and he was extremely concerned about maintaining it. Watch verse 53. This group, the religious leaders, came to this conclusion, verse 53. Then from that day forth, they took counsel together for to put him to death. Why would you put Jesus to death? He didn't kill people. In fact, a killer was pardoned so that he, the giver of life, his life was taken. <laughs> We're right there to it, same way. Do you remember how they, how they appeased to, how they, here's Pilate now, let's, let's go forward a couple of weeks. And the Jewish leaders come to him. Listen here, Pilate. If you don't do what's right, if you don't do what's right, you're no friend of Caesar's. <gasps> that would be bad. That would be bad. Again, what's, what's in this? What's in it for us? What's in it for us? Does truth matter? No, it doesn't matter to these people. No interest at all. They were afraid of losing their place, losing their power, losing their position. They weren't seeking truth. They were protecting their position. Look at the emphasis of that in John chapter 12. Let's go forward there again. This was after um, coming in this last week. Verse 9. Look at this. Verse 9, chapter 12. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there. Where was that? At Simon's house. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. He's almost become an exhibition, an ex exhibit, right? Did you, hear, did you hear about Lazarus? Has anybody seen him? Is it true? They would actually go to the house to see Lazarus. Hey, Lazarus, would you, would you come out? There's some people who want to see you again. Oh, for heaven's sakes. Here I am. I'm living. I'm alive. I wonder how long he lived. How long do you think he lived until he died again? How would you like to be that guy? Oh, man. What was it like? I'm sure he was asked that question. Where are we at? What was it like? I wouldn't want to come back from heaven to come back to that, right? <laughs> but watch. This, this again, this just is so, so over the top. What, how you would destroy something good for something that you hate so desperately, and they hated Jesus so much. Watch it. Watch verse 10. This, this is beyond belief. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. 
Because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. That was the plan. That's why Jesus did that. He raised him from the dead so they would see what he could do because they were asked to do that. And yet, miracles don't make people believe. There's miracles around us all over the place. You consider creation. Creation is unbelievable. The more you dig in from the largest scope of things to the smallest, most minuscule nanotechnology, the nanotechnology just blows my mind. And it all smacks of design. Things that time cannot accomplish. Evolution cannot accomplish design. It's impossible. It's impossible. All of those miracles. And you know what? You must believe because you believe. You have, you have to see it of what God has revealed and believe it. That's right. It really is. And there's, we, I, there's, a, there's a gentleman, and I would ask that you would continue to pray for him, an elderly man. And we get into discussions. I haven't been for some time. I haven't, haven't caught up with him. But he, was, he doesn't believe in a personal God. He believes in an it. He believes in a force. Okay. And, you know, we go back and forth and go back and forth. And, and at some point, I said this. I said, Steve, I said, I have a question. If you could have enough proof that God is who he says he is, whatever that is for you, the Bible's revealed enough, even those that have never heard of him, it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, there's no excuse. It's all out there. You take a look. I tell you what, you just look at Montana. If you say there's no God, right. you've missed it. This is an unbelievable place. I grew up in North Dakota. I know this is an awesome place. (laughs) But I said, if you got enough proof, if you got enough to where you could really believe, would you? You know what he said? I don't know. That told me exactly where he was at. There is not enough proof. There is not enough miracles unless you choose to accept what you see as truly truth. What you know and has uncovered, that reveals who you really believe. And that is, if you do not believe in God, you're believing in yourself. That's all I can say. That's who the religious leaders were believing in. Their God was just a system. It was a way for them to have prestige and power and money and fame and all those things. Let's look at reactions from three other people. Individuals. It's kind of been group-oriented at this point. We've been talking about them as we go. Actually, we've already talked about Martha. Martha's serving. She gave everything she had for Jesus. She's serving. Let's look at Mary for a moment. Let's go to John chapter 12. Oh, we should, just a second. We should, uh, no, I'm going to go, let's keep going. Martha, she's serving. Lazarus is there. He's one that's sitting at the table. Now watch verse 3. All of a sudden, out of the, Mary, it seems she's not even there. And all of a sudden, she pops out of her room. And here she is. This Mary, this one that was listening to Jesus all that time when Martha told her to be serving. Here she pops out, and she's got an alabaster jar of spikenard. I don't know what spikenard is, but I know it's really expensive because the Bible tells me it is. It's 300 days wages. That's working for a year for a bottle of perfume. Now, women, you might get that. I don't get that. Okay? And she slips out, she comes down, and she anoints Jesus with this perfume. And it runs all the way down to his feet. 
This is quiet. This is a quiet time. Can you imagine the setting at the home right now? This home. Is this woman quietly? It's preparing her savior, the one she loves, the one she cares for, the one she believes in, the one that there's no other level of love that is not there. There's nothing spared. Because I want you to t- I want I want you to think of this for a moment. This perfume would have been used, typically, it would have been held in very special place from a family for events such as the preparing of a body for a funeral. Just a few weeks before, her brother Lazarus, why didn't she use it on him? Obviously, you know, that she didn't need to. Jesus rose him from the dead. But now she takes that, what would be a very special, expensive perfume, and comes to Jesus and anoints him with it. Ah! Those are precious moments. Do you think she believes in Jesus? Oh, my goodness, her life is just just exploding with love, exploding with unfettered sacrifice. And then there's Judas. And then there's Judas. He's sitting there just simmering and stewing and mad and, oh, for goodness sakes, look at this. He says, could have been sold. Could have been given to the poor. 300 days worth. Do you know our Judas sold Jesus out for one-third of that? 30 pieces of silver took about four months of work to accomplish. So you see what Jesus was worth to Judas. What's he worth to you? How many times do we sell Jesus out for a job, a relationship, a career? Who knows what? Do you see it's the same level? What's Jesus worth to us? To Judas, 30 pieces of silver. The Savior of the world. Now, again, Jesus, it, he, was, he was not martyred. Jesus chose to go to the cross to accomplish everything that was done. Everything. He chose to do it. And Judas, for 30 pieces of silver. And you know how he spent that? He didn't. That's how much money is worth at the end of the, of the, end of the day. All of this power, all of these things that people are yearning and hoarding and grabbing and going for it. And it's the same in this year that we find ourselves. It's the same. It's, there's nothing different. There's nothing different. I can't believe where our country is today, but it's no different. We're chasing after the same elusive power and dreams and money and everything that has nothing to fulfill us. Nothing to fulfill us. Nothing. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? As Jesus would have asked, he's asking us, do you believe me? Do you trust me? Do you love me? That's the question. What will our reaction be? Don't let the time go by. When there's truth, grab onto it. When there's truth there, get it. I want truth. I want truth. Because it's truth that sets you free. Our country needs to be set free today. And we need truth. We need the truth of God's word. We need, just as Peter said, we know 
you have the words of eternal life. For whosoever believeth in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And if you're here and you've trusted Christ, your future is guaranteed. Guaranteed. Not because you did it, because Jesus accomplished it. He paid for your sins. He took everything that was necessary. It was final, complete. And you know how we know that? He was raised from the dead. If Jesus hadn't been risen from the dead, I would not be standing in front of you today. I would be hopeless. There'd be no point. Completely, I'm wasting your time. But Jesus isn't in the grave. He's not Buddha. He's not Hare Krishna. He's not Muhammad. Name them all and they're all dead. That's the difference. You want the difference in religions? Where are those leaders? Jesus' tomb is empty. You got to deal with that. That's truth. And if he has risen from the dead, then he's done exactly what he said he was going to do. And what will you do about that? (laughs) That's the question. Read the Bible. Read his word. Let the Holy Spirit work truth into your heart and into your life and into your mind. Let it permeate. I pray that our nation would pick up their Bible and read it. (laughs) And let God do the work. Let God re-energize this nation. All of it can be changed because of what God can do when we turn to to him. May our leaders get on their knees. May they bow their hearts before a God that is supreme and sovereign and almighty and awesome. We believe in life, family, and God. Because that's what God believes in. He made it that way. You read his word and you'll find he's pro-family pretty early on. Isn't he? He is. Anyway, I went on. If you notice, I've... Went on and on. I do that a lot. I do, everybody's laughing because that's what I do. I do. I go on and on and on. Right? But again, I want to close with this. Judas made it very clear what Jesus was worth to him. Mary took what was very precious to their family and to her. And gave it all to Jesus. Martha served sacrificially before her master. And the others wanted to kill him because he had given life to someone else. Now, if that isn't amazing, to the same re- having the same miracle, to have a reaction like that, it's a hard issue. What will you do with Jesus? How will you react to him saying, do you believe? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity we have, literally, to be in a relationship with you. Father, within our individual hearts, there are decisions that are made based on truth. Thank you that Jesus came to give us truth and to set us free. When he made that statement, as we'll look at next week, John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes out of the Father except by me. That exclusive road, that exclusive way to eternal life is no accident. It was designed by God, yourself, Father, even before the foundation of the world. You had chosen us in him, it says. We would come through Jesus Christ. Father, I would pray today that there was someone right now in the quietness of their heart, here or wherever my voice is heard, that the Holy Spirit would work and speak to them 
in a very private, intimate moment. That this may be the opportunity now to just bow your heart and give everything that makes you you to him. Father, you have given us everything we need to be saved. As Jesus with open arms is saying, come unto me. Will you believe me? Will you trust me? Will you give me everything that you are? And when you do that, in the quietness of your heart, things will change. You have become a brand new person. The Holy Spirit takes residence within your life. Your sins are forgiven. You have an eternal home waiting for you. We can't even comprehend the magnitude of the gifts that God's grace has given to us. But thank you, Father, for revealing truth through your Son. Thank you that you rose him from the dead to put a guarantee on the fact that the price was paid and it was paid in full and it was fully satisfied. Father, take us through this week. There's people from all different avenues and places in life and we would ask that on their journey that you have specifically given to them that you would show them where you want them to be, give them the courage to do what you want them to do. And Father, if, it's just, if we're even rock rollers... May the kingdom be furthered. May you be glorified. May we be made better. And relationally, every single day that goes by, may we be closer to you as our Savior, our Father, our God. May truth prevail. For in God we trust. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.